When I look at a picture of planet Earth taken from space, I don't see a big blue marble or a giant multicolored beach ball. I see a giant pizza with blue cheese and garlic cream sauce, and all the living creatures are trying to get their slice of the pie. I'm Steve Fisher, and this is Life Slices. Wax on, wax off. Mr. Miyagi said that to Daniel as he trained in The Karate Kid, but it could easily be the mantra from Matthew Hillshorst. He's the studios manager from Madame Tussauds Wax Museum in New York and my guest on Life Slices. Matt, what's your official title? I've seen a couple of different ones online. I think the official title is Head of Studios for Madame Tussauds New York. I've also seen Lead Artist. I'm not sure if it was ever settled. Does your pay change from week to week, depending on what they call you? If it was going up, that would be amazing. Explain exactly what you do. So I am, like I said, the head of studios. Right now, I have a small team. I look after all of the wax figures at Madame Tussauds New York. We do day-to-day upkeep. We also do restyles. We work with figure launches. Do you call them statues? You do call, or you just call them exhibits? No, we call them figures. They're, they're, we figures. either call them figures or wax figures. Yeah, they are. They're they're sculptures. They're statue-like, but I would call them figures. And they're created actually in London. Is that correct? They are created in London. Well, if anyone wants like a little bit of a backstory, if they don't know the story of Madame Tussauds, it's been around for 200 plus years. She started a traveling exhibition in the UK. She was born in France. She worked under another wax work, like a, a Dr. Philip Curtius, who was a medical illustrationist. And so he started doing wax works and creating wax figures with um, lifelike organs and different things like that. She worked under him because her mother worked for him. She ended up going to the UK, traveling with her exhibition after he had passed away. She did that for about 33 years. And then in 1835, she created the, the Baker Street location, which is still standing today. So that was like 186 years ago that she started uh, her practice, or 200 plus years ago, 186 since it was permanent. Are there any of the original statues left? There are, yes. There are some in London. I believe when we first opened, Madame Tussauds in New York has been open for a little over 20 years now. We had a few of, a few of her first, like, they were called death masks because she was, she was kind of involved in the French Revolution. Uh, she had worked with the royal family at Versailles for years, and she almost was beheaded. She had her head shaved, and she was walked up almost to the guillotine before she was saved. And so then after the French Revolution, she was making the death masks, the death masks of the people that she'd been working with for the last decade. So yeah, some of those still exist. We had some here in New York, but uh, they, those have since been sent back to London. I think they do still have a, quite an archive of her original work. I haven't been back to the London location for 20 years. I, I've 
only worked for Madame Tussauds in New York for the last a uh, little over two years. You have been pronouncing it Madame Tussauds. So those of us who've been calling it Madame Tussauds all these years, I've been saying it wrong. Is that right? No, it should be Madame Tussauds. Was I saying Madame Tussauds? You were saying Madame. Maybe I'm, when I'm referring to her, but as a, the, the museum, it's Madame Tussauds. If you're in London, you kind of say, well, with the British accent, they say it like Madame Tussauds. Two swords. That's how. That's like the closest way to say it. If you wanted to say it with a an English accent. Do you know what goes into the decision to create a particular figure? It's a blend of different things. Usually, the team comes together here. Like I can just say for our location, the senior leadership team here, which would be our general manager, marketing manager, the studio manager some of the other like maybe operations and facilities will all get together and we'll create a list of figures that we think are relevant for our location, figures that we want, figures that our guests have requested, and figures that we think are going to be up and coming or important political historical figures that we want. And then we send that list off to another marketing team who then talks to the London team. And we all kind of end up with the general consensus. We definitely want a local input because we want to showcase the city that the attraction is located in, us being New York. We want really New York-centric figures so that every time you go to a different Madame Tussauds, you're seeing different figures in different locations. Oh, that's interesting. Now, what is the process to actually put that figure together, to actually sculpt that figure? It's a long process. So the first part is usually the sitting. So we'll contact the talent. We'll figure out where they're located. We usually go to them. Sometimes they come to us, but we have locations all over the world. I can say like, I've been on a few sittings where we'll take all their measurements. There's usually over 200 measurements. We'll now do a scan. We do a kind of like a paint palette send back to London so they know there's been somebody's eyes. We take HD pictures, of course, but then there's also somebody there that is the artist that can pick out the nuanced colors that the, art, the, the team in London will be using. We usually have a hairstylist there that will also match the hair. We'll take the measurement, like the celebrity or the talent will usually stand in the pose that they're going to have, their figure is going to have for a while while we're all taking those measurements, those measurements then go back to London. A whole team of about 20 artists there work with those measurements. They make a clay sculpture of the body and of the head. Then that clay sculpture of the head is turned into a mold, which is then filled with wax. Then there'll be one or two people that will be working on inserting the hair. There'll be a person that will be working on the teeth somebody that's working on the eyes, somebody that's working on the wardrobe, somebody that's working on the fiberglass body, on molding the hands. It's a whole process. It takes months. That's what I was going to say, is how long it takes from, from inception to actually putting up the, uh, the, the actual figure. We try, they generally try to do it in about four months, but sometimes it takes longer. Um, it usually isn't any faster than that. Are they still made of wax? Is it the same kind of wax that they made that Madame Tussauds actually originally used, or is it something different now? 
Yeah, no, it's usually a mixture of uh, Japanese wax and a beeswax. They are still made out of wax. Usually it is just the head, sometimes the hand as well. If the whole thing was made out of wax, that wouldn't really be stable for as long as we have them, especially with the, the guest interaction. But yeah, it's usually the head and the hands that will be made, up, made out of wax. What's a typical day like for your team? We start very early. We've had a nice little break due to having restricted hours. So now I get to come in a, a little after 7 a.m. We used to come in around 6 a.m. But we first start out with a walkthrough. We make sure that everything is looking fine. If there's any damage or anything from the night before, I'll have a team member pull the, that figure, do work on them on the floor. If they have to take them up to the studio to work on them, we just make sure that everything is looking great. I'd say the biggest concern usually is the hair. The hairstyles are really hard to maintain. We have rooms full of A-list superstars, and they have to stay looking that way. I was looking at your website, and it looks like there is a lot of interaction between the visitors and the figures. Does that cause a lot of damage? Oh, definitely. I mean, we, we want people to feel like they're getting up close and personal with the celebrities. I think that's one of our, our claims to fame. We, we recommend like when they're taking photos with the figures that they are very conscious of the, the hair and the face to be careful around those areas. But that's why I have a team and that's why I have a job is to make sure that those figures stay looking that good. We do have figures that have been here for over 20 years. Some figures that we've gotten that are older than our actual location. But I would say the most popular figures do get a lot of attention for sure. Who are the most popular figures? I would say right now, the Kardashians and the Jenners, for sure. I do hear a lot of screams when people come off the elevator when they first see Kim Kardashian. We did have the whole clan Courtney and Chris were the most recent additions to the family. So when their figures were, were released, not last summer, but the summer before that, we had shipped in Chloe's figure from Las Vegas. And we had a Kylie Jenner figure that we had also borrowed, borrowed from Dubai. And the whole family was there and like people went crazy for it. We had a lot of people coming in for them. Are there any figures you want to share that people don't want to get close to? Well, we did have a lot of zombies for Halloween and other occasions. No, not really. I saw a story in the paper the other day that was, a, I believe it was a wax museum in Texas that had to remove the former president's figure because people were punching it in the face. Our, uh, I would say our Donald Trump figure gets a lot of attention. Sometimes not always good. So, <laughs> yes. But he is just like Marie Tussaud in the past. Like She made figures of everyone. So if they're famous, she was making a figure of them. If they were infamous, she was making a figure of them. And so he's on the floor and he's staying there for now. Yeah. So how many people are, make up your team and what do each of them do? As of right now, I have two team members. One is mainly sculpting and painting. The other one who has worked here for over a decade, he does a lot of the hair but he also, he's pretty well-rounded. He sculpts, he paints. Pre-COVID, I had seven team, mate, seven team members. We're slowly getting the team back together. I had a tailor 
that would basically just work on clothing. I had a sculptor that worked a lot more with hand molds. Like we sometimes have to remake hands here. He did a lot of the wax sculpting. I probably had like three people that just focused on painting. The process is that it is a, a pretty translucent light color white wax. And then the face is painted on with layers upon layers of oil paint. So it's a really interesting procedure. It's not a normal way of painting. So it takes a lot of practice and talent for sure. A good eye, good eye for detail, extreme detail. So the the bulk of your day is sprucing up the figures from any damage. The bulk of my day, I don't know if it, the, the beginning of my day is filled up with that. The rest of the day is usually, I'm like just this this morning. I had a about an hour long meeting. We're going to be launching a brand new figure at beginning of May. It's going to be the Wendy Williams figure. If you know Wendy Williams, she's yes. a national talk show host. Amazing. I was able to meet her for her sitting. She's going to have a big launch. She's going to have a lot of press. We have to get that all settled. So that was the beginning of my morning. Now, obviously, I'm doing a podcast. And then later today, I'm going to be working up in the studio. I'm most likely going to be painting uh, Ashwarya Ray's arms. I don't know if I'm saying her name quite properly, but she's a Bollywood actress. We have a little (laughs) Bollywood section for sure. We like to cater to all... All people that are going to visit. Have you ever had to remove a figure because of some scandal or something like that, or they just move into a different place? There are several figures that we have had in the past that we no longer have on the floor. New York, especially just because we have so many figures, we have nearly 200 figures on the floor. We'll have more likely people that have had to be taken off for one reason or another. Did have a Giuliani figure, though, back in the day. He is no longer on the floor. When we first opened, I think uh, Giuliani and Trump were both at the opening over 20 years ago. What are visitors most surprised by when they visit Madame Tussauds? I would say the realism. The realism and the ability to get up close and personal with celebrities, with some of the people that they see on a day-to-day basis, either on their phones or on TV. Yeah. I, I, if you did bring up that, I just want people to know that the the museum, the wax museum in Texas that you mentioned before that had the Trump figure that had to be pulled off the floor, that is not one of our museums. We do have competition <laughs> for sure, but we're definitely the best. And so when people, if they have been to other wax museums, I have people tell me all the time, like, oh, I went to the one in Canada or Niagara Falls. And I'm like, no, no, that's, that's not us. So they're like, no, I, they're definitely surprised by the quality of the figures here. When you say that people do damage to the things because they get up close and personal, what's the most egregious damage you've seen to a figure? On a daily basis, like people can, if they hug a figure, especially like a seated figure a little too hard, sometimes they will, they'll bump into the ear and the ears are wax. And so they, they, they will crack. People may put, sometimes if they have a hat or something, they'll put their hat on the figure and that will scratch the face or that will, ruffle the hair but no there are, there are some days where there is more damage than others for sure i grew up uh, with the vincent price movie house of wax of course yeah 
quality <laughs> movie. Yeah. And and in that one, I'm sure you don't do it the same way. You don't take dead bodies and then just cover them with whack. Definitely <laughs> not, no. Does the Chamber of Horrors still exist? I remember seeing that at Madame Tussauds in London. The Chamber of Horrors in London, I believe, still does exist. It was there when I was there last, but that was 20 years ago. Hopefully, I'll be able to get there again. We do have like a scary section. We have a Ghostbuster section now, but there is usually like one scary element in the in the museum, whether it be a Chamber of Horrors, whether it be like Ghostbusters, there'll always be something that's a little bit scary. Does that creep you out when you're alone in the museum? Maybe at first, but now I'm pretty used to it. When we were first shut down for the first few months, I was one of the only people that was coming into the building. I had to come in. I had to check on the figures, had to make sure that the temperature in the building was good, that everything was still all right. And so most of the power was shut off. And so I'd have to walk through with a flashlight. And there's nine floors to this museum. So that was a little unnerving at times to just be in here by myself and think I'm hearing things or think I'm seeing movement, but it's just reflections or me moving around. So, Describe the best way to experience the museum. I would say the best way to experience a museum is early. If you come early in the morning uh, or when we first open, you've got the place kind of to yourself. You don't have to wait for other people. You get to see them exactly how they should look. No, they haven't been like taking pictures with other people going through. Go with a friend, definitely. Have someone there that can take pictures for you so you can definitely get all the pictures that you want. Yeah. We have a bar, have a drink. We have two bars actually. It's big. It's a very large it's a very large museum. Journey starts in the lobby and then you walk up. We have a little mezzanine. You end up in a our New Year's Eve experience where you get to overlook Times Square. You get to see the actual ball that drops on New Year's Eve. From there, we take you up to our A-list party room. And that's where the doors open. And you're surrounded by dozens of A-list celebrities. You make your way through a mirror maze. That brings you into our Broadway area. From Broadway, that will lead you into film, onto television, into our culture room. You get to see a sculpture of Marie Tussauds. That brings you into our leadership section. And that's where all the world leaders, the royals, the presidents, cultural figures from history are. And then that's just the ninth floor. And then you work your way down. Eventually, you're in a room based around fashion, another room based around music, icons, living and past, and sports heroes. So how long would you advise people plan for visiting? Well, we do. We just reopened our theater. We are allowed to by the city. So we do have a Marvel 40 theater because we have a Marvel, we have an entire Marvel section with all the figures that are in the movies. I'd say maybe two hours. I would say give yourself at least two hours to get through it. People do run through sometimes, but I would say if you want to get the pictures you want, to see the movie, to have fun with your friends, I'd give yourself two hours. Your website shows a very different side of your work than what I'm guessing you do at at, uh, Madame Tussauds. Can you describe your personal work? For sure. I think it was probably 
a lot to do with my personal work that got me this job. I am an artist on my own as well as here at work, but I make mostly realistic oil paintings as well as sculptures out of acrylic paint. I'm assuming you were seeing that. That's the most prevalent thing on my uh, website. This job was perfect for all the different things that I can kind of do because in this position, I sew, I paint, I sculpt. I also can use Photoshop. So I do definitely do like some set design and mock-ups in Photoshop as well because I, I move figures around in the museum and I help work with the marketing team to create new sets and different zones in the museum. I feel like I got off the topic a little bit, but like it, it's just all works together. Like I'm, I'm fairly hands-on creative and my work working in a sculptural realistic method in my own practice translates really well when it comes to working with realistic sculptures at the wax museum. Now, when you've finished a full day at the museum, are you in a creative mood when you get home to want to work on your own stuff? Not always, but sometimes you just have to force yourself. Like I, I have a studio, I have a studio in Brooklyn. So I will just go right from work, right to my studio. If I go home first, if I have a snack, if I turn on the TV, then it's usually game over and I won't be going to my studio. But uh, so I just I go to my studio and I'll stay there and I'll work for two to three hours on my own practice. And then I head home for dinner late at night. That is, that's, that's a heavy workload because I, I know what that's like. I know what it's like working a creative job and then wanting to work on your own stuff but having to find a happy medium in between to kind of cleanse the palate so you're moving on to something else. Yeah. In this position, though, at the museum, I, uh, a lot of times I'm not, I'm doing, I'm, I'm in meetings, shopping. I shop a lot for new outfits. I'm the main person that's going to be buying anything that's needed here at the museum. But like the other day, I just bought, I was at an um, auto body shop. I had to buy a new hood for a cab. But I also do the music for the museum too. So then I'm working on playlists for the different areas. So a lot of times I don't actually, there's days I go, sometimes a couple of weeks where I'm just working on different projects that aren't me working on figures. So then after work, I feel great about going to my studio because I can finally sit down and uh, work on a sculptor, sculpture or a painting or something that I'm, my next project is. Do you ever experience people in real life that you want to go over and touch to see if they're real? <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet. I've not creeped anyone out of that. But people think that I'm... Because sometimes I, I'll do afternoon walkthroughs. And some people think that we do have a couple incidentals in the museum. Some figures that are just... They're not known people. They're just there to add to the the um, magic, I guess you could say. And so sometimes people, if I'm just standing there, if I'm working on somebody, they'll think that I'm part of the exhibition and they'll, they'll be surprised if I move. <laughs> That'd be great, to, especially today, April 1st, I mean, I, that we're recording this. It's like, just go out there and stand like one of the figures and see what happens. I did that for Halloween. We had to give out prizes on Halloween. I wasn't in costume, 
but I stood there really still and I'm scared. Yes. But I wasn't even trying to most of the time. I was just standing there just waiting for them to come by. And like, so I could give them a prize out of my jack-o'-lantern that I had. I love it. That's great. Is there a big push to have true crime figures on the floor with, since true crime is so big in podcast TV? I, I love podcasts and I love true crime podcasts. I've pushed for it. They haven't necessarily taken the bait, but I mean, as I said before, Marie Tussaud, she made heroes and villains. She did have rooms full of, she, she made wax figures of serial killers and different enemies back in the day. So you never know. It's a very popular subject. Matt, this has been very enlightening. And speaking of lightning, what's the lighting like at, at Madame Tussauds? Is it relatively dark? No. Certain, every, every zone is different. Like it, in our leadership room, it looks like you're in daylight. It looks like you can see the sky. Uh, the figures are very brightly lit. If you go down into our Ghostbusters in New York City subway, that is very dark. You're kind of wandering through a haunted mansion. Um, our Coney Island experience is going to, we just put it in, we're working on the lighting now, but it's going to look like you're out a, a day at the beach. Lighting is tough though. The ceilings here are, some rooms are 40 feet high. And so trying to get a figure lit from that distance and looking great, it's a, it can be a challenge. We've got multiple lifts and people that get up on those and somebody that's on the floor saying, no, twist this, turn that. Sometimes we have to be on walkie-talkies to communicate with each other in those moments. But It's fascinating. And uh, I urge anyone and everyone who has been to Madame Tussauds or hasn't to visit the one in New York is, uh, when it, whenever you can travel again. I do, too. For sure. <laughs> Come by. It's fun. Thank you so much, Matt. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Steve. If you enjoyed this program, please subscribe and like us on social media and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Life Slices is produced by Beatnik Ravens Productions, all rights reserved. Music courtesy of Fesleyan Studios. 